Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, hello and welcome from wherever you are. We're delighted to have you with us. My name is Pastor Dale, and I'm one of the pastors on our team. And uh, you heard Beth uh, mention earlier to you, if you're new and visiting us for the first time online, hey, take a moment and the number on the screen, just uh, text the word hello to us. That's a way that we can stay or get connected with you in a better way. I want to take a moment to and welcome all of you who may be visiting uh, from another church, uh, maybe locally or even beyond just a local context. Your church is, you know, not doing the stream or uh, not doing that. We're, a lot of us right now are just tr- trying to figure this stuff out. And so we want to welcome you as well if you're a guest. We're just so honored to have you and delighted to be with you. We are all uh, in this season learning about the new normal, aren't we? And uh, I, you know, we would have never dreamt that we would be here in this space doing kind of what we're doing. And so we're trying to lean into this moment and trust the Lord and see the Lord's hand and the Lord's guidance where all of this is uh, coming our way. And so we welcome you uh, into that. I have a friend who says it this way. He says, blessed are the flexible for they will not be bent out of shape. And that's so true in this season. Uh, many of you know, or, or maybe uh, most of you know that last weekend we were unable to be here. We were actually in our last day of quarantine. And uh, we were, uh, we had a friend of ours that we were in close contact with that was near somebody and they tested positive. Then our friend tested positive and called us and we had to step back and be in quarantine and really use this as a space to honor right now what our leaders and what our healthcare providers are inviting us to do. But uh, Sunday morning was our last day. And so last Sunday, uh, this is kind of what we're navigating. We came out of quarantine. Beth and I got up real early and uh, we went and got a coffee and then we, we came out to our West campus, came out to the property. And when we got out to the property, um, what we did was, uh, we just did a prayer walk and we walked around the property and, and we just, you know, took a moment and it was such a beautiful setting out here, but we finished the prayer walk. It was right at around nine o'clock. And I just want to tell you, it felt so weird. I mean, we miss you guys so badly and cannot wait for our time uh, to be together again, but we just, it was nine o'clock. There was nobody there. I did have this one little flash. I was thinking, what did Pastor Trevor preach on last week? But I knew, I knew that wasn't it. And so, you know, we're all trying to navigate what it means right now to be in this new season and to just, you know, lean into this time. I have some friends, uh, that are, uh, teachers and, uh, over on our East campus, they attend our East campus. I was reaching out to them this week and I asked them, I said, you know, how you doing? And they said, uh, she said back to me, she said, you know, this is such a bizarre time right now. She said, my husband and I, between us, we are trying to teach uh, from a mobile setting uh, over 225 kids. And so that's just crazy. A lot of us are learning how to homeschool, do school from home. And, uh, you know, I, I thought of this. Somebody sent this to me. I want to show you a picture. This is what we used to think of of homeschool parents you know, just a few weeks ago, but this is now what we think of homeschool parents. That's exactly right. Uh, I have a friend of mine who has three kids and he said, uh, Dale, we've only been doing this little more than a week at our house. And uh, he said, well, there are three kids. He said, we have suspended two of them. And the third one we've expelled. We don't even want them to come back. 
And so this is kind of the season where we're in right now, and we're just all navigating, you know, what it, what it actually looks like uh, to step into this season. And so we just welcome you into all of the chaos with us. We're trying to navigate it together. We want you to know that we're praying for you. Uh, that we love you, that we care for you, we want to hear from you, we're trying to reach out uh, to as many as we can, and we're doing these services online and hoping uh, that they're helpful. And what I'm finding in this moment that I think is true of, of every moment, really, when you think about it, every moment that is hard, it's that these are moments really where our beliefs and our assumptions are challenged. And what I've come to understand in my own life, whenever I experience a hard time, whenever I step into a hard time, that this is a moment where there, there, there becomes this incredible, greater clarity, if you will, about what I say I believe and actually what it is that I believe. And I think a lot of times right now around the world, really around the globe, we're, we're all having a hard reset. You know, really around this, and I, I think what's happening, we're we're learning uh, things like this: is the coronavirus bigger, or is our God bigger? Uh, is our fear stronger, or uh, is our anxiety stronger, or is our faith stronger? And this is really what we're learning in this time right now. I, I know in my own life, I am learning that though, though there are some pieces of this pandemic that are unique to our times that we've never experienced before in human history, uh, what they produce within us is not necessarily unique. And in many ways, these are the moments where our trust in Jesus, our, that our trust in Jesus has prepared us for. And these are the moments where we're learning how our faith must grow. I know, in fact, even when it comes to the enemy, I know that in every trial in life, it remains the tool of the enemy to isolate us, to seek to convince us to believe that we're the only ones to ever experience a difficult time, and that this has never before happened. And I think if the enemy can do that, then what happens in that space, he, he gains a foothold in our life. And so we're learning right now to, to, to push back our fear and step into a greater and, and deeper faith. I, I remember an interview years ago that I read about that Billy Graham was in and, and the autobiography that I read about his life, and it was in the 60s. And some of us remember the 60s, and the 60s were a tumultuous time for our nation. And it was in the 60s that a phrase began to be popular in our culture, and the phrase was simply this, God's dead. And I remember an, uh, an interview, reading about an interview that Billy Graham was in when, when a reporter was asking him, what do you think about this season right now we're in? And Billy responded, and, and the reporter went on and said, well, what do you think about you know, where, where people are saying right now, this is all happening because God is dead? And Billy Graham goes, oh, God's not dead. And the reporter just jumped right back at him and said, how do you know God's not dead? And with this calm, non-anxious presence, Billy Graham said, because I was just talking to him earlier today. I know that in 1939, uh, uh, it was, I, I believe it was when Great Britain uh, declared war against Germany. That was uh, in a response to Germany's attack. And, and I can remember all that time and, and uh, uh, in the work of C.S. Lewis, uh, who was a lay theologian. He was a teacher at Oxford University, a great defender of the faith, wrote one of the greatest books about the Christian experience called Mere Christianity. 
And I remember uh, that C.S. Lewis was asked about this difficult time, and he began to respond. And, and C.S. Lewis wrote, he says, the enemy will seek to cause anxiety in this time, seek to cause fear and panic. The enemy will shut down business, shut down schools, shut down places of worship, shut down sporting events, and will seek to cause economic turmoil. And then he wrote, uh, in contrast, he said, Jesus will use this as a space to bring together neighbors and restore the family unit. Jesus will use this as the space to bring dinner back to the kitchen table, to help people slow down their lives and appreciate what it is that really matters. Jesus will use this time to teach children to rely on the Lord and not on the world. Jesus will use this time to teach his children to trust him and not their money and their material possessions. And so here's what I want us to realize in this moment as we're kind of living this together as a world, as a community, as a nation together. Here's what I want to remind everybody. There have been other things that have come along in this world, and Jesus is still Lord. He is still there. He still loves us. And God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, is going to bring us through this time. And so this is what we're talking about right now in this season. This is what we're learning uh, about right now, uh, the scriptures that we read uh, from uh, that you just read a moment ago in your family, wherever you are in this space, were scribed against the backdrop of people who are martyred for the, their faith, running for their lives, and they manifested faith and courage in a difficult time. Paul the Apostle called this time, uh, you know, in Romans 8, 28, reminded us of God's redemptive ability where he reminded us, he said this, for God, the, we know that God in all things works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so God uses these moments, even when he doesn't, he doesn't cause them, but he will use them for his purposes. And so this is a time, church, I, I really believe it. This is a time to deepen our faith, to strengthen our resolve. It's a time to reestablish our convictions, to resurface our compassion, to renew our values of what really matters. And it's a time to learn how to pray. And this is what we've been doing right now. And, and, and when we talked about as a church uh, and as a teaching team at Community of Hope, uh, you know, uh, quite some time ago that we wanted to do a series on prayer, we never dreamt that we would do a series in prayer when I believe many of us for the first time are praying like never before. And so uh, this is a perfect moment to learn how to do this. And so if you're joining with us in the first time, here's what I want you to know. We've been using the word pray, P-R-A-Y, and we've been taking a letter in that powerful word and using that letter to, to describe and to help us learn how to pray. And we take our lead from uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. This has been our theme verse where Luke, who uh, penned this wonderful gospel, tells us in Luke chapter 11, he says this, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one, is, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And it's out of that prayer we remember, and out of that simple request that we remember, the Lord gave us, the uh, God taught the disciples the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as 
We forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And so we've been, we've been learning how to pray. We looked at the word pause, representative of the letter P. And we said this, you know, the, the best way to pray and to begin to pray is actually not to pray. It's to pause. It's to stop. It's to focus. It's to line our lives up under the sovereignty and the reign of God in heaven and to invite his power and his promise into our lives. And we looked at what the psalmist said when he said, be still and know that I'm God. And we use the letter R in the word pray to commemorate or to teach us the value of what it means to rejoice. It's the second important part of prayer to intentionally grow our gratitude meter with God. Paul said it this way. He said, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says this, I love it. Rejoice in the Lord. And I'll say it again in case we are tempted to forget. He said, rejoice. And, and so, you know, it's interesting. I think right now, this is really, uh, on display in our culture. I mean, I think we're, we're all right now. We're, we're learning. I know I am to be thankful for things I've taken for granted. I've never seen such an enormous cultural attraction to a roll of toilet paper in all my life. I mean, this is kind of where, where we are. We're learning to take stuff in our, our, you know, eat all the stuff in our fridge. We're learning to eat all the stuff in our, our pantry. And, and sometimes the dinner looks a little weird, but we're learning to take value and to take gratitude in that. I remember early in, uh, in, in the life of our church, I, I took a group to Belize uh, several years ago and, and we went over and did some mission work and, and I connected in just a very heartfelt way with, uh, the missionary who was there, Pastor Angel. Some of you have been at Community of Hope a long time. You'll remember him because we brought him over to be with us in, in that relationship and during that season. And I remember when we were with Pastor Angel, one day I told him, I said, you know, we've got our team from our church. They're working. And he said, I, I told him, I said, I, I want to get in your car and I want you to, I want you to drive me way out into the country. And I said, I want to meet some of the other pastors that you're in a relationship with. And I, I can remember this. And, and Pastor Angel, we got in his car, old car, and, and we drove way out into the country and believes. In fact, we went so far out, uh, we went right to the border uh, of Belize, and, and we could look over into Mexico. We were right there, way out in the middle of nowhere. And as we were coming back, it was starting to get dark, and, and Angel said, you know, it's probably best just in terms of safety that we turn around, and we, we head back to where our church was camping, where we were at. And, uh, and, and he said, you know what, let's pull over and get some gas. So we pulled into this little, it, 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 I would like to say it was like a little convenience store, but it was way more rustic than that. It was a little gas station, one, one pump gas station in this little place. And I, I told on how I said, you know what, on how I said, I want to, I want to use the restroom, but, uh, and I walked down this aisle, the candy aisle and I, and I picked out, I believe it was a Snickers bar and I threw it to him and I said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, take this Snickers bar. I said, why don't you grab a treat, my, uh, my treat, grab, grab something to eat, and, and then that'll get us back to camp. So I went to use the restroom, and I come back out, and Angel's still standing there on the aisle. And, I, and, and you know, typical American, I said, Angel, it's getting dark. 
Uh, the, 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 the tank's been gassed up. I mean, we, we got to go. And I'll never forget this. He looked at me and he said, you've, you've, you've given me the great gift to tell me to pick anything I want on the aisle. And he said, I've never done that before. And he said, I want to I think about my choice. And I want to make the right choice. And I can remember that moment thinking, just being humbled, you know, by the simple thing. I mean, you know, just a candy bar, just a bag of chips. And learning in that moment, I remember when we crawled back in his car and we headed back off to camp, I can remember in my mind and in my heart telling Jesus, Lord, I want to always have a sense of gratitude for what it is that you've given to me. And this is really what Paul's saying. He said, we we should begin with rejoicing. When I was young follower of Jesus, I had a pastor who was pouring into my life and he was mentoring me and he said, Dale, you, you really need to get connected to this God that you're praying to. And, and I remember asking him, I said, well, how do I do that? And he said, well, what I would encourage you to do is he said, you should, you should end your prayer time. He said, why don't you take a moment in your prayer time and learn to focus on some of the character traits of this God that you pray to so that as you learn to pray, that you are also learning who this God is. And, and I've never forgotten that. And I, I can remember coming back and, and I took some time and, and I, I took some four by six cards and I put them on a ring and I made prayer cards. In fact, I dug them out to show you. I want to show you a picture of them. And you can show, you can see here I'm a teenager because in the lower left, look at what I wrote as a characteristic of, of the God that you and I are worshiping. I said, the awesomeness of God. I don't even know if that's a word. But I, I can, I, I wrote that down. You can see in the upper right hand corner there, I wrote the gentleness and the faithfulness of the Lord. And I was just learning in these, these moments, um, how, what it is to rejoice and focus on that. Last week, uh, if you were uh, with us online, uh, Pastor Trevor just did a fantastic job, uh, teaching us about really the heart of prayer, which is learning, uh, how to ask God for the things that we want to ask him for. And our, uh, my pastor, that's what I refer to Trevor as. He says, I'm his pastor. He's my pastor. And, and Trevor taught us that petition is, of course, learning to ask God for ourselves. And intercession is learning to ask for others. And, and today what I want to do is I want to, I want to warm your mind and your heart up to this one other value. I mean, we've looked at pause. We've looked at rejoice. We've looked at ask. Let's look at the last one. And the last one, the letter Y stands for yield. Yield. There must be a moment in prayer when we surrender our will and we surrender our lives into our God's capable hands. Paul was writing in the book of Romans, this is his, you know, this is his um, epic work. And Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, therefore, he's talking about the goodness of God. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, and I urge you, sisters, in view of God's mercy, to, uh, to, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then he says it this way. He says, this is your true and your proper worship. And so I want to ask you just for a moment, a few moments to consider what what is your true and proper worship? 
I mean, and Paul is telling us his. And he's suggesting to us what ours should be. And it's you and I coming to a moment in humility and in prayer before a holy God, yielding our will to his. And saying in a moment of complete surrender, God, these are my requests. These are, these are my petitions. But I want you to know, not my will, your will be done. And this, this, is, this is a powerful part of prayer. And when I think about this church, I, I think of this really in two ways. And I want to share with you uh, what I think really is a part of what it means to yield. I think part of what it means to yield is, first of all, we yield when we listen and when we learn. And there's a powerful part of prayer that I think involves listening and learning. Uh, years ago, when our church was very, very young, I was invited to what is referred to as a shadowing experience by another pastor, Pastor Wayne Cordero, who became a friend of mine, a very godly man, doing a great work. And he's doing a work in o- Oahu, Hawaii. And so I, with a couple of friends, I know it sounds really like great sacrifice. We flew to Hawaii and we spent a week with him. And what we did in the shadowing experience, we just we followed him around while he did his ministry for a whole week. And one of the things he taught uh, us that, that I brought back to our church that is now so deeply embedded in our culture is how to learn how to hear God's voice in God's word and to journal through the scripture. It's been an exercise that I've been involved in now, uh, you know, uh, almost 20 years. And so, uh, in, we were in this shadowing experience and, and, and the question came up to Pastor Wayne about mentoring and how many people he mentors and all of this. And he said, you know, I have a, 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 an observation about this. He said, a lot of times, he said, in a mentoring relationship, he said, here's the classic mistake I see so many people m- making. He said, we want to get with somebody that we see doing something well. Maybe they're doing their marriage in, in a way that you want your marriage to emulate, or maybe they're doing their walk with God in a way that you want your walk with God to emulate. And he said, oftentimes we'll, we'll seek these people out and we'll go sit down and we'll meet with them and we'll take all of the time allotted to us. And he said, we'll talk. And then we'll compress all of that time down just into a few moments where these people that we want to hear their advice, we want to hear their counsel. And in that moment, we've taken all the allotted time and we give them just a small space of time to tell us the trinkets and tell us the secrets that we're searching for. He said, I learned a long time ago to flip that around. And he said, whenever I meet with somebody that I want to learn from, he said, I go prepared, I have my questions, and I'll ask my questions in about five minutes. And he goes, then I open my notebook, and I take notes over what they say. And that's a better use of our time. And there's part of what I think yielding in prayer is all about. This is a a part of it. Uh, Pete Grieg, uh, who writes uh, 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 the, the powerful book that we've been looking into, where he talks about prayer, he says this. He says, if petition is prayer at its simplest and intercession is prayer at its most powerful, he says contemplation or learning to listen and then learn is prayer at its deepest and most personally transformational. This is that moment. And most likely, and and we think about it, it's most likely what Jesus did, scholars believe, in the early mornings and in the late nights when he went away to be with his father. He didn't talk all the time. He let God, through his spirit, 
talk to him. And so part of what it means to pray in a powerful way is, is not only to pause, not only to rejoice, not only to act, but it's also to yield. And, and part of the way we yield our lives is, is we listen and we learn in those spaces from our Heavenly Father. And I want you to know, when I pray and I do my devotion, at the end of my devotional time, I will say, Lord, you have spoken to me in your word. Now, what would you say to me about my life? And I'm yielding in that moment my control and my power over to one way more capable, way more wise than I am. And so yielding is, in, involves uh, both listening and learning, but, but let me just say one other thing. It, it also involves, I believe this, it involves, you know, it, it, it involves when we confess and also when we learn how to battle. I want to explain that. When we confess, you know, we are emulating Jesus' perfect prayer. Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Uh, more often than not, when I'm reading God's Word and I take those still and quiet moments after I've read God's Word and just invite His Spirit to say some things about my life, I want to tell you what will often happen in, in your pastor's life. He will remind me of a conversation that didn't go quite right. He'll remind me of something I said that I shouldn't have. He'll bring to light something I've thought that I shouldn't have thought of. And, and in that deep work of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's never in an, in an abusive way. It's never in a shame-filled way. But it'll invite me into a deeper relationship with Him and where I can confess my sin, something He already knows about me, and He can remind me of His love. And part of what it means to yield is that we're just open to that. And then, of course, we're open to battle. Uh, we have a, a saying right now in our culture, and I, I have to be honest, and this might be offensive to some of us, um, that I struggle with a, a little bit uh, in our culture. Uh, it's popular to say right now, whenever we encounter somebody that's having a hard time, we'll say it something like this. We'll say, hey, I'm sending my thoughts and my prayers your way. And I have to be honest with you all, and I get the sentiment behind it, but I struggle with it. And I struggle, I mean, what does it actually mean to send our thoughts somebody's way? And, 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 and this is what I'm driving at. We, we have reduced prayer to this innocuous, mysterious thing that has no meaning and no purpose. And I want to remind you that part of what it means to yield, Jesus said not, not only that you know we, we would be tempted, but that, that he would also said that we would, you know, that his kingdom would come on this earth. Peak Grieg, or, or excuse me, I think, I, I think it is um, C.S. Lewis says this way. He says, enemy-occupied territory is what our world is. Christianity, he says, our faith is the story of how the rightful king has landed, landed in disguise, and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. I mean, if you and I really understand what prayer is actually all about, I want to tell you what prayer is. Prayer is battle. Prayer is war. 
where we're going and we're pushing back the darkness that is enveloping our world. I, I, think, I think of it this way. We, have, we, we run the risk sometimes of anesthetizing prayer and making it safe. Prayer, rightfully understood, is the most subversive, the most revolutionary thing we can do. It calls upon the king of all creation and brings his power to bear upon the kingdom of this earth. Powerful. And this is what happens when we yield. More often than not, when we take a moment and we say, God, you know, now this is your space. You say to me what you want to say. God will remind us of his sovereignty. God will remind us of his power. And he will bring to our mind the very things that we are to push back against in a subversive, revolutionary, powerful kind of way. My prayer, my hope, is that all of us would move our prayer life into that deeper and greater understanding. So we're learning how to pray in this series. Uh, next week is Holy Week. And uh, during Holy Week, uh, we're going to talk to you next week a little bit about unanswered prayer and the battle that Jesus had even in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Lord, not your will or my will, but your will be done. We're going to talk about uh, that next week uh, in our series. And so that's to come. But I want to pray for you right now. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we want to thank you uh, in this space that you are good. And you're not good simply because you're in a good mood and because you just have feelings of benevolence toward us but you are the personification and the very definition of goodness. And so God, we call upon you, our good, great God, in this unique season. I pray for all of my friends uh, who are anxious right now. I pray for those who have lost loved ones or are aware of friends or family who have lost loved ones related to this virus. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are serving our communities and are in harm's way. And, and I just pray right now, God, that your great spirit, your great peace would transcend all of the chaos of our world and that you would remind us, oh God, that you are for us and not against us. And Lord, in, in, in a moment of declaration, we would pray the, the prayers we've just spoken about, Lord, and we push against the darkness of this virus. And in Jesus' name, we ask it to stop in Jesus' name. And I pray for those who are sick that they would get well. And I pray for those who are anxious that you would bring your peace. And I pray that wherever there is turmoil, God, you might bring the presence, the sweet presence of Jesus into that space and that Lord you would remind us and call us in these days to greater communication with you and that we would continue to be the church even though we're not together in a building that we would be the church universal linking arms with brothers and sisters around the world in, in our fight against what is happening in our world so that Lord you may come with your presence and with your healing and 
with your hope. This is the prayer that we offer in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. I want to thank you for tuning in uh, with us today. And uh, again, uh, if you want to learn more about our church, if you want to connect with our church in a more definitive way, if you're saying yes to Jesus Christ for the very first time, or maybe in this season right now, you're coming back home to him. Here's what we want to ask you to do. If you'd be so good as to take the number on the screen and just text the word next to that number on the screen, we will reach out to you and give you appropriate next steps and be there for you. God bless you. Go in his peace. Stay safe. We'll see you next weekend.